0: The following message is from Kings Church 1066 based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org.
1: Thank you very much. It's good to worship God together, and we're going to start looking at a book which is worshipful, which is full of worship. This new series is called Psalms Connecting with God. We're going to look at the book of Psalms, which if you're currently following a Reading God's Word Together, our Bible reading plan, if you're on the Old Testament track, you'll be really familiar with this book because we're reading it through day by day at the moment. And I don't know about you, but I'm finding that a real blessing, really enjoying reading a psalm a day, and it's helping me to connect with God, and that's what we're going to try and do to this series as well. The Psalms is this big book right in the middle of our English Bibles of songs and poems, a collection of prayers and songs from all sorts of kind of situations people found themselves in, all sorts of experiences in life, and expressing all sorts of feelings and emotions in response to those situations. There are thanksgivings and there are laments. There's celebration and grief, joy and sorrow, delight and despair. Pretty much every sort of experience you could have Every sort of emotion you could experience, you'll find it uh, somewhere recorded in and expressed in the book of Psalms. And in some ways, though, this is quite an unusual part of the Bible. Most of the Bible is either God or people talking to other people. But in the book of Psalms, we have people, people like you and me, talking to God. This is kind of Godward language. This is God's Old Testament people. Israel, speaking to God, sometimes it's individual, sometimes it's group, and they're expressing their worship, their thanksgiving, their prayer to God through these psalms. So these are people's words to God, but at the same time, they're also God's word to us. Because these are in the scriptures that God has given us, God's word to us. They're part of what God has breathed out and given to us, his word given for teaching and challenging and correcting and training and equipping. So these words of people to God become, at the same time, God's word to us. They give us models for how we today can connect with God. They set examples of what does it look like to live a life of faith, walking with God day by day, and to connect with him in the midst of all the ups and downs, whatever it might be that we face, whatever it might be that happens. We can follow their example. We can even take their words. We can kind of appropriate, use their words ourselves. But the Psalms don't give kind of like a magic formula. Okay, so the Psalms are not a kind of one-size-fits-all magic formula for connecting with God. Actually, it's this huge collection, 150 different poems or songs, with huge variety in them, suitable for different times and different situations. Because they're coming from different situations, expressing different emotions at different times. And so we get to kind of get to know them and get to know which ones are going to help us at different times. You see, the Psalms aren't like kind of the instruction manual for a piece of flat-pat furniture. flat pack furniture, you've got the instruction manual, you do it one way and it works, do it any other way, the whole thing's going to not work and it's going to fall apart. It's a one size fits all, you've got to do it this way. The Psalms aren't like that. The Psalms are like a toolbox. In a toolbox, you've got lots of different types of tools. They're all there for different jobs. And over time, you get used to understanding the tools and what they're for and when they can be helpful. And so when you face a a problem in your house, you think, ah, I know the tool for this task. That's what the Psalms is like, a, a toolbox to equip us to connect with God in any and every situation. And so we want to learn from them what's the tool we want to take hold of at the moment. That means, as we go through this series, we're going to look at a few different examples of psalms, different of these tools from this toolbox. There'll be some weeks when you think, this really resonates with me. That's like right where I am right now. And there'll be some weeks where you think, actually, that's just totally not kind of my life experience at the moment. That doesn't kind of fit for me at the moment. But I want to encourage us at the outset, let's not switch off on those weeks we think, well, that one's not quite for me today. Let's not think they're not relevant to us, because we want to get to know all of these different types of tools. You don't throw out your hammer one day because you think, well, today I need a screwdriver, so I'm throwing out the hammer. No, you know it's there in the toolbox. You know how it works. You know what it's for, so you're equipped. We're getting equipped over these weeks with different ways that we, through day-by-day life, can connect with God. And one of the things to say by way of introduction to this series, already being hinted at already, something special about this series is we're going to have the chance to hear from some new voices over the next few weeks. There's going to be some shared preachers. There might be some preachers with some extended testimonies, hearing from people in the church. These voices we might not get to hear from so often. So I just want to encourage us, let's be attentive listeners for our newest speakers. Let's be really encouraging and really get behind them. Try and be smiley. I'm a terrible listener. I know my resting face is not very smiley. Try and be smiley for our new speakers is to encourage them, so we want to spur them on in this. And today, Dan Glover and I are kicking off. We're going to tackle two psalms, two psalms that come right near the collection, but which I think are really helpful tools for some of the difficulties we might face in life. So let's welcome up Dan as he takes us through the first of those psalms.
0: Right. Am I? Hello. Right. I'm going to start my timer so I don't run over. Well, yes, good morning. Um, my name's Dan. Like it's been said, I'm part of the team that um, lead our youth. Um, oh, as me and Andrew were, were praying, I just thought it's a privilege, isn't it, that we get to openly talk about Jesus. When there's other countries that um, have to do it in secret or underground or undercover, they, you know, we get to openly just talk about it. I think it's amazing. But anyway, this morning we look at Psalm 3 and 4. Now, this was written by King David. We might have heard of King David But if you're new to church, or maybe you're not too sure, I thought I'd kind of give you some highlights and tell you a little bit about David. So David was the youngest of seven siblings, and um, I'm the youngest sibling, Um, I've only got an older sister, but often the youngest is the one that gets picked on, the one that gets bullied, often the smallest or dweebiest. That was me, I'm a bit like David. Um, David was a shepherd, he was often out in in uh, in the fields on his own. And actually, it came to the point when Samuel was looking for a next king, often he was overlooked. It was kind of, nah, he's, he's over there, he's looking after the sheep. But no, although he was overlooked as king, God said, no, you are next. David was a giant slayer. The, probably the, the biggest claim to fame with David is he was uh, the whole story of David and Goliath. And everyone else was very scared of Goliath. They did not want to go near him. David took him out with a single stone. David was a warrior. In Samuel, we read that when Saul made David a high-ranking officer in the army, it seemed to be victory after victory after victory after victory. However, it um, didn't all go to plan because it started to backfire, and David started to see that maybe, um, maybe David. Uh, Saul saw sorry, Saul saw that maybe David was a bit better than him, and in fact, um, he tried to kill him on multiple occasions. It wasn't looking good at this point. Um, The other thing is, David is often seen as one of the greatest kings of Israel, and I love that. But let's be real, he wasn't perfect. Um, If you know the story of David, you'll know uh, he did commit adultery, um, and then he plotted to kill the husband, to have him killed. Okay, it's not looking good for David, but by the grace of God, you know, Nathan came along and said, don't worry, your sin has been taken away. And, and the reason why I tell you that is Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 were written at a pretty low point for David. They were not at his high times. They were actually at his low points. And David would have had the highest of highs. He would have had the lowest of lows. But actually, it's so good to read Psalm 3 and Psalm 4, and even for us. If we're at the highest of highs, in the, the mountain tops or in the valley low, it's so good to be reading Psalm 3 and Psalm 4. Just it's good to get into our hearts. And so these psalms, they're often Psalm 3, Psalm 4, they're often seen as morning and evening um, psalms. And one one translation I love, what they call it is morning and evening prayer of trusting God. I think we could almost stop there and just reflect on that. Just trusting God throughout the morning. I I sometimes last all of about 15 minutes and I'm struggling. And, And I want to ask you a question. You can turn to your person to your left or your right and ask this. It's a time to interact with each other. Are you a morning person or an evening person? Turn to your person left or right, you've got 20 seconds, find out their answer. Okay. Hopefully you found out if they're a morning person or an evening person. Um, Quick show of hands, show of hands if you're a morning person. Put your hands down. Put your hands if you're an evening person. Amazing. Put your hands down. Um, I I used to be a morning person. I used to like waking up early. The problem is now I've got a human alarm clock, and we wake up at whatever time he wants, even if it's at 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, well, sometimes it's called fast eight, and it's lovely, and um, we get to have a decent kid. Now, whether you're a morning person or an evening person, it kind of doesn't really matter, but I thought it'd be a bit of fun. Now, both these Psalms, Psalm 3 and Psalm 4, they're both speaking about confidence in God. And I was thinking, actually, we need to be people that have confidence in God. And, and I guess an encouragement or a challenge, however you want to look at it, let's be a church that's confident in God. In every situation, when, God's, when it seems like God maybe even isn't there, let's be a church that's confident in God. And so Omni, really kicking off with Psalm 3, Andrew's going to take on Psalm 4. The verses will come on the screen. Let's, um, let's have the psalm come up. Let's read it. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. I'll be honest, when you kick things off, when you look at that first verse, it's not looking too good. He's not looking too confident. Um, And so, let's be honest. Sometimes when we start our prayers, it can often be just, God, I'm struggling. I'm finding things difficult. I mean, have you ever woke up in the morning and things just aren't going to plan you? You wake up late. Your, Your kids aren't getting ready. They're not getting dressed. You've burnt your toast. You've left your car keys. Things are not looking good. Well, David has been there. Maybe he's not burnt his toast, but he's gone through some trials, and he knows what it is to trust God. Now, one of the things I do love about this psalm, I absolutely love it. David doesn't go and speak to a friend. He doesn't go and put it on Instagram. He doesn't go and try and fix it himself. No, he goes straight to God. David goes straight to prayer. Like I love how this psalm starts with, Oh, Lord. I mean, how many times do we do that with our situations? How many times do we go in our situations where it's difficult or struggles, and we, we kind of go, ah, oh, I'll try and fix it. How many times do we just say, God, I need you in this? I think straight away, once again, that is a challenge even for me. Because we need to remember that prayer is direct communication with God. He hears every prayer, and there is power in prayer. Um, I've took a bit of a, a leaf out of the Paul Edworthy speciality of adding a quote into a preach. And... Um, J.J.S. Perone, um, I found this online, it's very good, um, I've got no clue who they are, but it sounds very good, it says this, um, the book of Psalms. Uh, they observe that the Lord, um, David's crying out to the Lord with his voice does not express a single act, but a habit of a life. Have we made prayer a habit of life, or is it just when we need God? Is it something we do every day, when it's good or bad, we go to prayer? Oh, Lord, will you be with me in every situation? Now, you might be thinking, Dan, I don't have many foes. I'm, if I'm honest, I'm not that hated. Um, people seem to like me. I'm quite popular. However, let's be real, we will have people at work who we might struggle with. We might have family members who we might find a bit difficult. Uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be physical people. Maybe we struggle with our own thoughts in our heads, and it leads to one thought to another, to another, to another. Maybe it's illnesses. Maybe it just goes from one illness to the next to the next. That could be your foe. And actually, you might be thinking, David could have quite easily given up on those situations. But actually, he knew that God was with him. People were even saying that, maybe God isn't even in this. He trusted in God and said, no, I'm not having that. God is with me. So God is good. And verse 3 says this, but you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I love the fact the shield around me bit. When, when you think of a shield, it's head on. Okay, so it, I can only do that way. This says a shield around me. God is like a 360 degree shield. Now, David might not be able to see at the back of his head, but he knew God had his back. Do we do that? When things seem hard and difficult, do we turn a prayer? Do we know that God is surrounding us? Do we do what David says? And you go, Lord, you're surrounding me. I trust you in this. Do we do that? And the second bit of that one line I really love, and it only came to me, if I'm honest, last night, is this whole bit of around me. It's personal. David has a personal relationship with God. It's not just oh, God, uh, somewhere, um, help, help. No, 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 you're a shield around me. And and I love that. I love that it's personal. David has a personal relationship with God. And having the personal relationship with God begins when the moment we realize that we need him. I know we know that as Christians, but sometimes it's so good just to remember that. We admit that we are sinners. We are far from God. And in faith, we receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And God as our Heavenly Father to come into a relationship with one another. David knew that. He got that. So what has God done? We're going to go to the next verse. I call out to the Lord, and He answers me from His holy mountain. I lie down and sleep; I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I tell you what—the confidence in David to have a nap when things are going badly. Like he's surrounded, yet God. But David's story—he sleeps. I mean, I I get scared when I think someone's downstairs. You know, when you kind of hear a little creak downstairs, you're like, oh my gosh, we're getting burgled. Um, I can't sleep. He's surrounded, and he still chooses to sleep. And it made me actually think of Jesus. We read in Mark, I'm sure we've heard of the story of Jesus and the storm. In the storm, it says this, it says, A huge storm came up, waves poured into the boat, threatening to sink it, and Jesus was in the stern, head on a pillow, sleeping. He was asleep in the middle of a storm. So Jesus knows what it's like to be in a storm. David knows what it's like to be in a storm, if you like. But when we're in those storms, where do we go? Do we choose to turn to God, or do we choose to turn our own way? The God who put the stars in the space, he wants to be with you in those storms. He wants to be with you in the good and the bad. So what is your storm? What is your surrounding? Like I say, it might not be people, but we all have different things going on. Verse 6 says this I will not fear though tens of thousands tell me on every side, Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. I don't know about you, but there's times where I feel totally overwhelmed in situations in life and I do not know what to do. Actually, do I turn and trust God with those situations? Do I say, Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. David was confident in God. Tens of thousands surrounding. Well, It says, I will not fear. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Remember, he knows God is 360-degree shield. He knows God is with him. And I love this. David could rest at night knowing the Lord would sustain him and be with him until morning. You know, David was a, had lifelong prayer, and he knew kind of with God's, I guess, um, what's the right phrase, track record, if you like, he knew he had confidence in God. And even if tens of thousands against David, numbers did not worry David. It could have been a million people. It could have been one person. It didn't really matter for David. He knew that God was with him. And I don't know about you, but for me, I get a bit excited about that because I'm probably not going to have 10,000 people surrounding me. I might do, but I, I doubt it. But I'm going to go through a situation. and I'm going to go, Jesus was in the storm. He's with me. And so what challenges can we bring into our own lives as so we think about David's example? How in, in 2022, how can the people of God, how can we step into confidence in God? And for some of us, it's going to look very different. Because our different life, different circumstances, some of us kids, some of us don't have kids, some of us have to work at like four o'clock in the morning, others um, a bit later. So this will work for some of us and not work for some of you. So, But do take take hold of this. So when you wake up in the morning, let me encourage you, turn to Scripture. This is amazing. This is a privilege to have. And we have such access to it, whether it's um, physical paper copies on our phones, audio book, let me encourage you, Get hold of your Bible. Maybe in the morning it's using sung worship. Maybe it's the new song that's just come out and you just want to sing that through. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's even looking back through a journal. We've got some people in Mine and Maddie's Connect group and they love journaling. And actually, it's a great way of kind of using that, going, what's God done over the last seven months? How can I use that to get confidence in God? Maybe it's whilst you're commuting to work, maybe on the train or you drive, Maybe it's just praying, allowing God that half an hour, 45 minutes to pray and to listen. Maybe if you work from home, some people still work from home. Um, maybe you get up a little bit earlier than what you normally would do. You go for a walk around the block and you just thank God for the goodness of what he does. Maybe you thank him. I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not very good at this. Um, but, you know, you thank him for, you know, oxygen. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, God made that. Maybe you thank him for the trees. Maybe you thank him for things of that nature. You get confident in God by looking at his amazing creation. So there's just some examples we can take from David. So he starts in prayer. He knows he's surrounded by God. And he simply trusts him enough to go to sleep. I'm going to hand over to Andrew, who's going to go through Psalm 4.
1: Great job, Dan. Thank you. Now, Psalm 3 is, you know, a feeling of worry, being overwhelmed in the morning. To be honest, that isn't a particularly big deal for me. But that is not because I'm very holy or very kind of zen and peaceful. That's because I'm really, really not a morning person. I don't really think or feel much full stop in the morning. There are multiple people in this church who have lived with me at different times, and they'll be able to testify I am not a morning person. I am, though, very much a nighttime person. I uh, kind of get a, a second wind, a second boost of energy around kind of between nine and 10. I am known and sometimes mocked among many of my close friends for the fact I often have a somewhat substantial snack at around about 10 p.m. And I think if I didn't have to function in kind of normal society with everyone else, I probably wouldn't really sleep till kind of one or two in the morning and then get up quite a bit later. Sadly, when you have jobs and stuff like that, it doesn't tend to work. So for me, worrying, feeling overwhelmed, maybe not so much of a thing in the morning, but definitely a thing in the evening, definitely a thing at night. The evening is when my mind is racing, when the worries and stresses of strain, and strains of life are very much afflicting me. I might be reflecting on the day, I might be thinking about the next day, or what's coming up. For me, the battle is so much often, more often in the evening rather than the morning. And so if we're looking at the toolbox of the Psalms, Psalm 4 is a psalm that's particularly helpful to me. Because Psalm 4 is, how can you step into confidence in God in the evening? Psalm 3, how do do it in the morning? Psalm 4, how do we do it in the evening? It's another Psalm of David, same guy who Dan has introduced us to. And it seems David might well be saying this and recording this when he's preparing for bed. It has a sense of someone who's preparing to put their head on the pillow and to try to sleep And David's wrestling with, in a difficult situation, how does he step into confidence with God so he can sleep at night? Let's read what he says in Psalm 4. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself, The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us some prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. You hear how it seems David is preparing for bed. He ends there with lying down, going off to sleep. And clearly that's in the face of a stressful, unsettling, distressing situation. We don't know the precise details. Psalm 3 tells us it's this stuff going on with his son Absalom. Psalm 4 doesn't tell us what's going on. Could be the same time, same kind of situation. Could have been the end of the same day from Psalm 3. We don't know, but certainly he's facing some sort of opposition, some sort of distressing situation. In verse 2, there's talk of these people turning his glory to shame, those who are opposing him. They're seeking false gods or maybe seeking lies. He's clearly facing some sort of opposition from other people. And I wonder if we can relate to that. Maybe we do know what it is to have people speak against us. Maybe we know what it is to feel rejected and ostracized by people, or maybe we can just relate to the idea of just feeling a sense of distress in our hearts, maybe especially as we're seeking to settle down for the night. David starts stressed and distressed, a situation we'll all at different times find ourselves in, but what he does in response to that is he takes steps to step into confidence in God. Two things I think he does here which we can kind of add on to the lessons Dan has drawn out from Psalm 3 for us. One is quite similar to Psalm 3. It seems David reminds himself of basic truths and of basic steps he can take. He does this in a surprising way. Did you notice the odd thing that David does in this psalm? Verse 1, he's talking to God. And then verse 2, he starts talking to these people, to his foes, his enemies, these people opposing him. And he talks to them for about the middle chunk of the psalm and then comes back later to talking to God, which is kind of odd because I suspect that David's enemies and foes weren't there when he was getting ready for bed. I suspect they weren't actually hearing these words. So you kind of think, what's he doing? Well, I think he's imagining himself speaking to them, but he's doing that so he'll actually, as a sense, overhear himself, and he'll learn from those words. He's talking as if talking to them, but I think he's trying to talk to his own self in doing that. So there's a few things he says here. He tells these foes that God has set apart his people for himself, and God hears his people when they call to him. David's reminding himself, God has chosen me. God has set me apart, and God hears me when I call to him. And then he gives some instructions to the foes, instructions about kind of faithfulness to God, telling them to to tremble or to be angry and not to sin, to lie quietly on their beds at night, searching their hearts, presumably searching their hearts for, am I living in faithfulness to God? He tells them to offer right sacrifices to God, to trust in God. He's telling them, but really he's reminding himself, He's reminding himself, what are the basic steps of obedience to God that I need to take? When life just feels crazy, I'm in deep distress, what are the simple steps of faithfulness and obedience I can take? David faces opposition. He's experiencing distress, but he thinks, actually, I can, in the midst of this, remind myself of of who God is, of who I am in him, and of the simple steps I can take. Basic truths, basic steps he reminds himself. And that's such a good example for us, isn't it? That's such a helpful example to take hold of. Maybe those of us who experience quite significant distress, maybe that's deep grief, maybe that's actually real depression, actually this is such a helpful example and tool. In those seasons in life when actually just keeping going can feel so difficult, when just putting one foot in front of the other can feel so difficult and you wonder if you're going to keep going, actually thinking, I can take hold of the simplest truth. Who is God? Who does God say I am? I can take the simple steps. In David's day, that might have been bringing a sacrifice. For us, it might be I'm just going to have just 10 minutes where I'm going to read a psalm and I'm going to chew it over. All of life can be falling down around us. It can feel like we maybe we don't want to get out of bed in the morning, but simple truths, simple steps are an invitation from God to connect with him, even in the midst of such difficulty. That's what David's doing here, to step into confidence in God on a difficult night. That's what you and I can do too. And one other thing I think David does in this psalm to step into confidence with God is he reminds himself of the source of true satisfaction. In verse 6, he says, There are many people asking, who will bring us some prosperity? These are probably the words of some of those foes, those enemies, and they want prosperity. They want riches and wealth and luxury. They want stuff, and they're saying, who will do this for us? Who will bring it to us? But David wants something different. David wants something better. His prayer is, let the light of your face shine on us. He wants to know and experience the favor, the goodness, the closeness of God. His cry is, fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. He's saying they can have all the stuff, all the luxury, all the riches they want. They can have the best harvest and all the grain and the new wine. But he's saying, what I want is the joy of the Lord. What I want is God. You see, David gets that what he needs more than anything isn't riches or luxury or even comfort and ease in life. What he needs is God. God is the one who can truly satisfy him. God is the one where true joy and peace and life can be found. He's prepared to lose everything else that's what he wants. And again, isn't that helpful for us? Don't we live in a world that is obsessed by prosperity, obsessed with getting riches and luxury and money and fame and comfort, all these things we think will satisfy us, all these things we think will make us happy, and yet which time and time again will let us down. We live in a world telling us that that stuff will make us happy, but actually we have to lift our eyes and go, no, no, the one who can truly satisfy, the one who can truly fulfill He's the Lord. He's the one we want. We can remind ourselves of that. All those things we seek after, all those things which the media are constantly telling us we need and we want, they'll let us down. They're temporary. If they bring satisfaction, it won't last. There is one who can bring total, lasting, perfect satisfaction, which we begin to experience now, and we will experience in total and utter perfection for all of eternity to come. When faced with distress and difficulty, David sets his eyes on the one whom he knows can bring him true peace, true joy, true satisfaction. And these tools, it seems, allow David, in the face of such a difficult situation when he's heading to bed, they allow him to step into confidence with God. He concludes, in peace, I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwelling safety." Do you see how it's like he's journeyed through his difficulties? He's brought himself to a place of now, in peace, I can sleep. We can learn from that example, can't we? When our minds are racing at the end of the day, when we're stressed and distressed and we're trying to sleep, here's some simple things we can do. Take hold of simple truths. Who's God? Who does he say I am? The simple steps we can take. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get out of bed the next morning. What's the simple step you're going to be able to take the next morning to connect with God? Reminding ourselves, actually, life may be falling apart, but actually, where true life is found, he will never leave us. Things will never fall apart there. He is always with us. We can step into confidence in God. And of course, actually, we read these Psalms today, and we have an even greater reason for confidence in God, an even greater basis for confidence in God. We follow one who could have said both of these psalms in his own life. He could have appropriated them to himself. And because of what he has done, the way is open for us to have true and lasting confidence in God. Jesus could have said both of these psalms. He knew what it was to be oppressed. He knew what it was to be rejected. And he knew what it was to step into confidence in God. Think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before, the night he's going to be betrayed, the night before he's going to be executed on a Roman cross, he's there stepping into confidence in God, connecting with God in the midst of his distress, crying out to him. But also, actually, you'll notice, there's some difference between what Jesus does and what David says here. You see, Jesus didn't call on, his en- on God to break the teeth of his enemies or to strike them on the jaw. Jesus allowed himself to be struck. He turned the other cheek. Jesus allowed himself to be delivered over to his enemies rather than cry out to God to deliver him from his enemies. Jesus allowed himself to be set apart from the Father rather than to be set apart for him. Jesus allowed all the opposition and the rejection of God to fall upon him on the cross so that it wouldn't have to fall upon us. And because of what Jesus has done in doing that, we can say and take with utter confidence the word that David says. We can say with utter confidence from the Lord comes deliverance because of what Jesus has done. We can say there is true joy to be known in God because Jesus has opened the way for us to be with him. We can wake and know that the Lord will always sustain us because we know that Jesus is always with us. And we can lie down in sleep because we know we have eternal security. We have eternal peace. Jesus has kind of become for us the very answer to these prayers that David is saying. Because of Jesus, you and I can step into confidence in God. Maybe the band could head up at this point, please. So where is it that you need to step into confidence with God? Where and when do you need to do that in your life? And how are you going to do that? What stresses or distress are you facing right now where actually you need to step into confidence in God. Maybe that's a morning thing, maybe it's an evening thing. Maybe it's throughout the day, these tools can still work, we're still equipped. And actually, that's something we can do right now. I know we're kind of at time, but I don't want to miss the chance to take hold of how the Scriptures are equipping us and to step into confidence with God. Maybe you've come today and you're just feeling in deep distress. Or maybe you're just exhausted by the trials and tribulations of life. Maybe you're in deep grief. Maybe today you're just feeling really depressed. Friend, today there's some small tools here we can take hold of. We can step into confidence with God. We're just going to pause for a moment, sing a short song where we can have a chance to set our gaze on God, remind ourselves of who he is, who we are. and think as we do that, what's it going to look like for you this week, morning and evening, to step into confidence with God? Do you want to stand? Let's just engage with God. Let me pray and the band will lead us. Father, we thank you that we can come to you in any and every situation. And we thank you especially when life is tough, when we are uh, stressed and distressed, that your heart then is warm and uh, open to us. You are longing for us to come to you in those times. And we thank you for the example here that you've given us in your word of how we might take small steps to step into confidence in you in the face of that. And I pray, Lord, whatever it might be that we're facing right now, how it might be we are feeling as we've come here this morning, we you now, even as we just stepped, just for a few moments, our eyes on you afresh. Would you help us to step into confidence? Would you birth in us, Lord, that peace that means we can lie down sleep at night, we can wake in the morning and know that you have sustained us. Help us right now, Lord God, just to look to you and to step into confidence with you. Spirit of God, we ask your help in these things. Amen.